0: What's up, you friggin' creeps? This is Killstreak, episode 63, trying out a new opening line. I don't know. it's was getting a little... Uh, greetings, future lovers is getting a little stale, so I'm trying things out. Yeah. We'll see. I don't it's know. It's
1: not if- really... Uh, <laughs> it's
0: not really coming to fruition, is it? <laughs> uh, hey, you don't know that. You don't know what I do. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's not That's at true. all. How, how could it possibly? <laughs> oh, we are, I am recording on a dreary los angeles day i am eric goslin joining me from austin texas although soon to be in los angeles and soon to be in my arms is mike price how are you sir i'm good it's
1: dreary here too it's been raining all day long Mm. um which is good for the ground and the plants but you know
0: Takes a little pep out of your step, yeah, it certainly does, and he, you need as much pep as you can because we are almost done with our marathon of phantasm, yeah, now on yeah. phantasm for oblivion, or is it just phantasm oblivion uh, I think
1: usually it is uh man i I think it's phantasm for oblivion mm-hmm. when you say the whole name of it. Um now because the thing is like this actually it's similar to a uh the title gore yeah. that we did a, a month or so back because it is stylized as phantasm obli and then iv is for Yin, which mm-hmm. is like it's very clever and it works well on the uh poster Yeah. But how would you say that obliforian?
0: <laughs> obliforian. <laughs> obliforian. Like Phantasm Obliforian. Yeah, that sounds like a D and D name, Obliforian. You could
1: absolutely, yeah. What would his race and class be? I think
0: Obliforian would be an elven bard. Okay. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boring, but sure. <laughs> I mean, okay, sir. Then you I, go ahead I, clearly, and improvise <laughs> something.
1: <laughs> uh, he would be uh, uh, a. An Elven bard. Oh, there you go. Sounds up. pretty good. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. I think you're. There's only one correct Nailed answer it. to Obliforion. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So yeah, I guess originally it's going to be called like Phantasm Infinity. Um. Well, we'll get, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll yeah. get into that because I should have asked you this off air. Um. Did you mm-hmm. get into in your research of the uh, get into any of the possible sequels that were meant to be for part three
1: sure yeah 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 we could talk about that before we even get into the movie sure um well it's i mean what i read about was just one big one that was not meant to be but was planned for some time uh but you can tell me if there's more to the story than that um But yeah, at some point in the 90s, um, Coscarelli became friends with uh, one Roger Avery, um, probably most noteworthy as the co writer of Pulp Fiction,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Yeah.
1: Uh, Which he and Tarantino actually won the Oscar for best original screenplay for that script. Um, But Avery went on to become a director in his own right. Uh he did uh I think Killing Zoe was one of his earliest yeah, I think it was his first movie. and that was around the same time uh that Pulp Fiction came out. Um uh I've never seen it, but I remember the box cover. I'm pretty sure Eric Stoltz is in it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh-huh. I remember liking it. Cool, cool. Um, but he he was the director of The Rules of Attraction, which I think is an underrated Me
0: film. Me too. I really like that uh-huh. movie a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got a huge kick out of it when I saw it in the theater, and I was afraid to go back to it for a long time, but I watched it maybe four or five years ago, and it's so stylized that it actually, like, I think it aged better than a lot of things that came out in the late 90s, early aughts. Sure, yeah,
0: that makes sense. Um,
1: and also, I will say that, in my opinion, my favorite scene in that movie, um, when the guy, it's it's the one where it's the story randomly follows the guy to to dinner oh right yes i think
0: is it the europe story no oh,
1: I'm sorry. no that is a great scene too that's like the mini like it's like a mini, mini movie, movie yeah in the middle i don't of remember
0: it. the dinner right
1: it's the guy he's like super drunk and high and he goes to dinner with swoozy kurtz and like oh, yeah, it's his mom and, right. and then faye faye dunaway is his mom that's right and he uh his name's dick mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, like, he just, like, puts on a whole show. That guy played by a talented actor named Russell Sams, who I used to work with. No shit. Um, Yeah, he was a bartender uh, at the old Tony's Darts Away in Burbank when I got my start there. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Discovering that after we worked together was the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, I had known him for, like, a year and a half, and then I went back and I saw the movie again. I was like, holy shit, is that Russell? It's funny it was. I
0: was thinking about something like along these lines um where mm-hmm. when I was growing up, you know, wanting to be in film being a teenager and younger even, just anybody who was on TV or in a movie, I assumed was like famous and rich. You know what I mean? Mm, and then yeah, definitely. <laughs> and not just like I it didn't even come into my mind that there's just working actors. And I think that's appropriate to this movie Oblivion mm. because these guys are some of them aren't even working actors they're just guys yeah no i mean especially mike and
1: jody Mm -hmm. uh bill thornberry and michael baldwin straight up not actors just like they just act in these movies and that's it yep um but yeah i know that phenomenon all too well um i won't name any names but like i have even a couple friends who um you know managed to find some some, what at the time we considered like very serious success as actors early on when we all moved to hollywood uh booking stuff on like you know in in feature films and on tv and it was like holy shit they made it yeah and but you don't realize even how uh like tenuous that grasp is like even when you do get like a big speaking role in a feature film and you have a regular part on a TV series. It's like a year later, you can be completely out of work. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's it. There's no guarantee you'll ever book anything again. It's very scary. It's like,
0: Oh, maybe you'll make, I'm just throwing numbers out there. It's like, Oh, I made Mm. $30,000 in two weeks. Great. But you're Mm -hmm. not going to work again for the rest of the year. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 You hope you get another national commercial
1: or something just to like make ends meet on rent for the rest of the year, especially living in a place like, yeah
0: anyway so back to phantasm uh roger Avery. yes yeah Do you want to pick it up yeah so sure, sure so um one of his passion projects was writing a fourth sequel to or third sequel to phantasm and it was going to be called phantasm 1999 for a bit and i think they kicked it up to 2013 <laughs> um eventually <laughs> and uh so he was going to write it coscarelli was going to direct it and it they pitched it around um it it came in at about a budget of like eight million dollars uh and it was like Mm -hmm. an epic movie i I, I don't know too much like the plot line is very weird and didn't really center around the tall man or mike i think it's mostly no it's very post-apocalyptic and
1: yeah it's like a big time almost more it sounded as much sci-fi as anything but i will say that my recollection of Ravager yeah. is I feel like there are still
0: elements of that movie I, that kind of pick up that baton. I think so. Yeah. That, that's that. I think they, cur- they cribbed some stuff from nine nineteen ninety nine. 1999 mm. and it's funny, in the book. I didn't get to read too much um, about oblivion in the book I'm reading just because we're recording this like two days after we recorded our last episode. <laughs> but uh, they, yeah. I know some, the unnamed people in the cast. I bet you can guess who, Mm -hmm. did not like the new direction at all in that mike wasn't very prominently featured or the tall man um but yeah there's like something called like the bag plague or something that like people's heads would blow up like inflate like balloons and then shards of their (laughs) skull would infect would like get into other people and infect them which is pretty cool actually Is, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. When you,
1: if you read, the, I we won't go through the whole synopsis, but if you Google it, it's not hard to find. Sometimes it's also referred to as Phantasms End. Yeah. But you can just look for the Roger Avery Phantasm.
0: Yeah. So that didn't end up happening um, for better or for worse. And instead, we got this. Yeah.
1: Uh, a much, much smaller film much in smaller. terms of budget, scope. Uh, it was shot in 23 days. I want to say that the published budget is under a million dollars. It's something in the neighborhood of like six or seven thousand hundred Yeah, 000, that was 000. the number I read. I read today It was like yeah. $600,000. Yeah. And it was one that um, came together in part. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, because it's like there's money to be made. So why not? You know, but also it's like clearly... You know, Don Coscarelli, we mentioned this at the top of the series. He's not running out of ideas like he's got plenty of places to keep taking the story of this series. And what one of the things that ended up prompting this version of the movie coming together was that the place that they had had, it was Metro Color, which was an arm of MGM Metro Goldwyn Mayer, um, where they had colorized. Or they had done color work on the original Phantasm. Mm-hmm. And apparently Metrocolor was closing permanently. And they called up Don Coscarelli and said, Hey, we actually have like a you know a box full of reels mm-hmm. that you guys either like never took or we forgot to give you or whatever the fuck it was, but it's like Hey, we're shutting down shop. Do you want these? <laughs> and he goes and gets them, and they're pristine, unused shots from the original Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ever the uh, spendthrift, Coscarelli's mind went racing, and he said, Hey, could I make a movie where 15 to 20% of the footage is already
0: stuff from 1970? From yeah. You know? What, a, what yeah. a cool. Oh, we didn't even do our blood and guts check. Uh, Mm -mm. that is a really Mm -mm. really cool idea like yeah I think it's what makes this movie so special Uh, so I'll yeah I'll kick it off Um, okay this was the second time I've seen this uh, and I Mm -hmm. remember like being liking it the first time but I think Mm -hmm. I liked it even more this time I I was frankly kind of blown away by it in a lot of ways (laughs) Um, just like it's there's a very sad undertone to the whole movie and it's Mm -hmm. like it like tonally it it feels very different from the rest but it's sort of not like not like as a um, uh a betrayal of the the other movies Mm -hmm. but it's just very interesting and to see those see the old stuff right up against the new stuff it kind of like has this I don't want to joke around and say time is sort of a character, but it's like like wow, time really does come for us yeah. all. And it's sort of like poetic and cool to see it. It feels almost like an art yeah. film in some ways. That's not to say it's perfect, but I, I think sure it hits a lot of it works for me on a lot of levels.
1: Yeah. Um well that's refreshing to hear, because in the process of sitting and watching it, I was like, am I I started to question myself where I was like, does this is this just all about what kind of mood I'm in when uh-huh. I watch these movies? Cause I was watching it and 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 laboring under the false impression, uh, not to spoil, you know, my end rankings, but that just like initially I was like, Yeah, I think I remember watching all of them, and there was just kind of a steady decline in quality, and then by the end it was like, you know, so I was like. I was like, this might be the rare franchise where we just go, hey, the rankings, one, two, three, four, five, you know? And I will say, watching this, I was like, oh, this is much better than I remembered it being. Um, And it is kind of like you said, I think tonally, there is a sort of, there's almost like a triangulation that's happening. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, the first one was great, but possibly it almost seems like they kind of like Coscarelli and this cast sort of stumbled upon greatness yeah, in the first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the attempts to repeat that greatness in two and three, it's like you miss in one direction, you miss in another direction, but you start to kind of zero in on your target. And it almost feels like this is the one where he got back to, to kind of being on target with the tone Yeah, is, is, is how I feel about it. And I also think, and this is very much just me speculating, but I think that the return to such a small budget mm-hmm. is it is that thing we talk about where it's like that box that you're put in that forces you to be more creative, to rely on your ingenuity. Mm-hmm. and uh, And it also forces you to scale back in ways that like, like you think about the last one, which had a budget of like, probably five or six times this mm-hmm. but it's i like the things that it wanted to do were so crazy yeah. that it like it ended up looking cheap most of the time yeah whereas like this one tries to do very limited things with the money that they have and as a result i would say almost like i i confidently that i think that this movie looks
0: like the production value is better than it was in the last uh, do, one. You, you, you took the words out of my mouth, really, because I was going to say I think the the scaled back budget in scope of it really like helps the movie because it yeah it forces yeah. Coscarelli to like focus on what can we do here that will be mm-hmm. impactful, yeah. but like not break the bank. I also think the performances are really good too, especially compared yeah, to the last movie. Yeah, I mean
1: it almost feels like maybe Michael Baldwin and Bill Thornbury were, were kind of getting their sea legs back yeah. after some time mm-hmm. off in the last one. And perhaps, who knows, maybe they had a chance to watch Phantasm Three and go, hmm, maybe the next time but I mean also oh sorry, go Oh, I'd say
0: that was something that that uh, Michael Baldwin did do, which was like mm-hmm. he didn't like how he didn't like his portrayal of Mike in the last movie and how he was written as like a victim. And he's like, Don, yeah. if we're gonna do another one, I just really don't want Mike to be a victim on, in this one. And like, sure, I think just that little adjustment really helped.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, this goes back to something that we talked about last week, which I think you were the 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 one who really uh, zeroed in on this. But that idea that Coscarelli was also getting pulled in a lot of different directions on the production of three, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that brief anecdote. Where Michael Baldwin was expressing that he felt like he was sort of absent in some of those, you know, directing performances moments, mm-hmm. largely because he had so many responsibilities, not because, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't lazy. It right. was just a, a matter of being stretched too thin. And it seems like the balance was probably better here. Um, yeah. Just based on the performances that he gets out of his cast.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, I lost I completely. Lost my place there.
1: <laughs> I had nothing else to. Uh, add. I, okay, well, the other thing, the one thing I'll throw in is is to just like rain on this love fest a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that story wise, um, things get confusing as mm-hmm. they as they sometimes do in this series, and I think that the first two thirds of the movie. Manages to stay really uh, on track in terms of like, I know what's going on, I know who's doing what. Uh, and then in the last like 20 minutes, I, I truly was like, Wait, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I really, I like lost the thread completely for a while and I didn't have enough time to go back and rewatch it. So I'm actually waiting for you to explain to me what happens <laughs> in the last act of Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I, I started the movie early in the morning on Wednesday mm-hmm. um, okay. and watched about an hour of it and then finished it late last night. <laughs> so it's a, but, but I did, I do think I I got all the, okay, great. Yeah. And, and I'll also, so
1: I got a very long, thoughtful question from a friend of the podcast, Matt, uh, maybe a week ago that he just, just raising all of the very valid questions, uh, that really, go back to what the fuck actually happened with Joe sure in the first movie. And I feel like this movie flirts with almost answering that question. And then somehow like veers away at the last yeah. second. And it's like, okay, it still makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, and I, I told Matt when I was chatting with, I was just like, give me until we finish. I want to finish ravager again before I like weigh in on this. Yeah. But I will say just for an update, that at this point, at the end of movie four or five, I am still confounded as to what exactly the
0: truth of of, of the even the, the plot events of the entire first film all is. Yeah, you know? uh, me too. Me too. I think maybe like talking through the, the beat by beat things will help us. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Jody yeah. is a confusing element in all of these. Um, right. And I think there is some carryover from the last movie into this one. It's like, oh, now we see his motivations from the last movie in this one. But as to part one, I have no idea. <laughs> right. And I think that is
1: a question that maybe as one of our and uh, one of our segments for the for the wrap up episode, it won't be a superlative, but maybe it's just. How about you and I take three minutes to try to explain to people what, what the hell happened in the That's first? That's a good movie idea. That's a great idea.
0: Um, <laughs> okay. I, I watched some of the interstitials that Joe Bob did for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. and I was surprised that he thinks this is the best one. I think I think even more so than the first one. Wow, I might be wrong on that I mean, one, but I, 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 he, he is. It is his favorite of the sequels, at least. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's an
1: interesting take and it's not one that I can immediately just say is is totally wrong. You know, it, we'll, it deserves some pondering. We'll leave you guys hanging until the wrap up episode. Yeah. Um behind the scenes stuff, uh we covered some at the beginning. There's not a whole lot of other stuff I really wanted to touch on that we can't hit while we're going through the plot. We've really only got one new character. Um you know because again, the, the scope of this is very small, yeah. And that's Jennifer, played by he- Heidi Marnout, mm-hmm. um, who also appears in Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep, um, and otherwise, you know, just some TV work throughout the aughts uh, into the teens. But, uh, uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's I think she's good, yeah. Uh, I so don't good. know, but, yeah, but it doesn't seem like she's done a whole ton of stuff, which goes to show you, just like we were talking about at the top, you can be talented and uh you know not to be reductive but she's also quite attractive yeah. uh and uh and that doesn't guarantee anything but i mean also she's had like 26 credits so hopefully she's sitting in a nice house in sherman Oaks. <laughs> uh.
0: that is a really good criterion for like tv success <laughs> um uh, yeah i bought a house in the valley in the in the, in the <laughs> before the
1: real estate yeah, boom in the late 90s everything. i bought a
0: house in the valley <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of one of somebody i know got their house from Roz from frazier they sold them the ah, perry gilpin uh yeah, i guess that's her name yeah i guess so yeah sure. um uh, yeah th- from the fan. behind the scenes stuff that i have read about this it was just that it was a pretty miserable experience being in the desert mm. the, the hots and the colds of the desert the yeah. accommodations weren't that great. They're up in the middle of like Lone Pines, which I've never been to, but that's mm. where they shot most of it. It's like several hours away from Los Angeles. Um and, you know, the uh the promised um bathrooms and trailer for the cast to change in was uh. delayed a day. So the first day they didn't even have bathrooms and <laughs> oh, the boy. uh the trailer where they changed was kind of commandeered by the grip and electric. And so they had to like change with like C stands and stuff. So it didn't seem very glamorous, but you know, this, this whole movie kind of smacks as like a passion project more than it does like a, yeah, which I think is what also it, 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 it's, it's almost a meta commentary or like a celebration of phantasm as a whole. The part, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's an interesting little thing. Uh, well, then shall we,
1: uh, Shall we jump in? That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. you
0: wanna you wanna jump in?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll take a quick break, and then uh, we will be back with the recap of this movie.
2: Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit,
1: a terrifying motion picture experience. For 20 years, the secret of the spheres has remained a mystery. Now, two innocent people are about to confront the ultimate evil.
2: The final game. I'll begin.
0: We got a, a dreamy opening. This movie's very dreamy in structure. His cemetery at night, some headlights, a tracking shot down a hallway of a mausoleum. We hear the footsteps of a tall man. as two sentinels fly over his shoulder. We see who's behind the wheel of that car. It's Mike. He's in a hearse. We get some quick cuts from the last movie. Sort of the greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Mike's eyes turn gold. I guess that's probably a shot from part three, or I couldn't tell if it was that I th- or I think it one.
1: is. This whole sequence, uh really talks about it in his book. It's kind of interesting. This was the first movie they shot, uh sorry, edited digitally, like in a nonlinear editing oh, yeah. system, like like a final cut or a premiere. And as a result, this sequence came to be because it was something that was much easier to do. Sure. Uh than in the past when you would physically cut film together to do all of these shots from different films. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we hear Reggie's voiceover where he came from. Nobody knows his evils spread like a plague, destroying towns, maiming and killing. We called him the tall man. First, we thought he was just an undertaker. Uh, really just catching us up from the last movies. Um, my name's Reggie. I was an ice cream vendor by trade. Now I'm a soldier. A soldier in the war with the living dead. Mike <laughs> fled into the wastelands trying to escape the transformation taking place inside of him and to uncover the mysteries of the tall man. Um, so that's Mike's mission. Meanwhile, Reggie, from the end of part three, was left in the catacombs of the, t- the tall man's lair. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, so we pick up where three left off where Reggie's pinned up against the wall by the Sentinels. Um, they do, like, they color his hair or something to make him look a little like, like he did in the early 90s. Yeah, Reggie gets a, a decent, he gets a couple boxes
1: worth of Just for Men over the course
0: of this movie. <laughs> um, the tall man calls off the Sentinels, Small man, your end approaches, but not yet. Take great care how you play. The final game now begins. Then we see a swarm of CGI sentinels flying through the halls of the mausoleum, and title card. So Mike's driving it.
1: Terrible.
0: They don't look terrible. No, no. the CGI sentinels.
1: I one thing I noticed was the way that they move. In my head, I was like, "This has got to be that whatever it is. I don't know if it's like an algorithm or what." but it's like they definitely have the same kind of movement as the things in the matrix um, the, oh
0: like those uh, octopus robot things yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah like the way
1: they swarm I bet somebody programmed some kind of like swarming flying behavior and that's
0: I was like oh yeah it looks just like yeah you're probably right with that Um, so Mike's driving at night a lot of driving in this movie this movie primarily takes mm-hmm. place in cars and in the desert yes uh, cause they ate sheep to shoot. <laughs> yep. Yep. Reggie, I've been moving Southeast for three days now. I know he's behind me. Don't try to come after me. There's very little left alive. Uh, the towns are abandoned. Do you remember our little town? That last perfect day. I'm going to be doing a lot of just like reading the lines because they <laughs> sure kind There's of a lot of voiceover, yeah. a lot of voiceover and they explain what's happening. So then we get a flashback, the first of the flashbacks. Other than if you don't count, like, the catching us up. I guess this mm-hmm. isn't the first of the flashbacks. <laughs> Reggie's driving his ice cream truck. He drives by young Mike, who uh, hops on the back without Reggie noticing and, like, grabs an ice cream from mm-hmm. the back. And then Reggie sees him in the rear view and shakes his head. <laughs> oh, Mike. It was the very next day that he arrived. And then we see Mike and Jody. Young again in the Cuda, the original Cuda. Uh, young Mike is driving <laughs> this <Yeah. laughs> fucking muscle car. Tear assing down the road. And
1: yeah, just sorry to clarify, you weren't crazy. This is the first of the new footage.
0: The new footage, seeing. yes. Yeah, you right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The new old footage um, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus.
0: <laughs> the new adventures of old footage. <laughs> Um, was a stretch. Sorry. <laughs> no, I liked it. Um, then a, a white hearse comes around the corner in the opposite direction. The tall man's behind the wheel. There's a, there's a collie, a border collie in the road. He's <laughs> fucking runs it over. <laughs> cool sound effect. Uh, where are you, brother? What's become of you? Then back into present day. Mike's driving straight out of semi truck and he swerves at the last moment. Then, like in his rear view mirror, he sees in the he's driving the hearse, and the back of the hearse mm-hmm. is like this blank faced thing, this man. Yeah. Then he turns around, there's nothing there. He turns to the passenger seat, and the old fortune teller from part one is is sitting next to him. She starts laughing and she disappears. Um. Meanwhile, Reggie is fixing up his Cuda, his Hemi Cuda, he's fixing up the tires. Um, and then we see a shot, like a point of view shot going o- towards Reggie and over his shoulder. He turns around. It's the Jody ball from last movie. So Jody's still a Sentinel. Yeah. For now. Reg gets in the car. and He's like, Hey, Reg. And then Reggie's like, God damn it. Not you again. Reggie doesn't want to have anything to do with him um and he doesn't he doesn't want him to help find mike i wish things had been different but they're not that's what jody says (laughs) um and then oh no yeah maybe either jody jody reggie Reggie says that basically saying like i wish that our lives our lives had turned Mm -hmm. out different and then holy shit we have a shot that is suitable for framing (laughs) it is our three heroes as they would have as they would be now had they not been in phantasm like yeah. situations there're three middle-aged men drinking dosekis <laughs> off the hood of a car while Jody strums an electric guitar and they're at the beach it's fucking amazing reggie has his hair down <laughs> nah forget it i'm done with that shit jody tells him he's going after mike uh, and he needs backup from somebody he trusts And Jody tells him, just drive south a few hundred miles. It'll be obvious. And uh, Jody disappears while he's talking. He's like, well, I guess I know where I'm going now, huh? Uh, Meanwhile, Mike's in the hearse. A dwarf pokes his head up, or a lurker pokes his head up from the back seat. And then Mike looks in the rear view again, and he's the tall man standing there. And he's like, no. Yes, boy. Um, And then he tries to slam on the brakes, but they don't work. The brakes don't work. The steering doesn't work. He's trapped in the car. I want to talk about this for just a second Mm -hmm. because
1: this, the driving a car and not being able to steer or do anything like that. First of all, I think is a common sort of dream trope, Mm -hmm. uh, which like fits in with the whole movie. But for me personally, car stuff is like, it's the only, I wouldn't even call it a nightmare. I think it's more of an anxiety dream. Oh, really? But, It's like the only recurring dream that I have that I can ever remember. Oh, interesting. And
0: I don't think I've ever had that dream.
1: For for years and years, I've been having different versions of it. And I actually had one for the first time in a while, like in the last week, like maybe three Hmm. or four nights ago. And for me, what it usually is, I won't, I won't belabor this for too long because there's nothing more interesting than hearing about someone else's dreams, (laughs) um, is a lot of the time it's like I I become small somehow and the car is like overly sized. Mm. And so I'm like slipping down into the into the sort of steering well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like I am like I so I can't see, but I'm like steering the car and just hoping that I don't crash into anything. Oh, I'm like wow. trying to press on the brake with my hand. Um Cause I'm like little and down there, but that's not the one I had this time. The one I had was I was in the back seat of the car. Okay. And no one was steering the car. Oh,
0: you know, I have had
1: that. I actually have had yeah. that before. And so I'm like reaching up, trying to like steer, but I can't touch the gas or the brakes. And I also have that feeling of not being able to really move because you, know, you get that in a dream, right? Like you sort yeah. of want to move, but you're sort of pinned down. Yeah. yeah. Really, and I crashed, and it fucking freaked the shit out of me, and I think I woke up when I, like, crashed. Um Yeah, oh, so man. anyways,
0: this scene really, really made me get tense. I have a recurring dream. I won't get into the details, but I just had it again recently where I'm in a giant movie theater that, like, the internal geography of it doesn't really make any sense, where it's, like, seats will be under, like, staircases, and uh-huh, it's yeah. weird, and, but there's no, and also, like, the screen is hard to find. I don't know. But it's like a giant, giant movie theater. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like this movie theater. <laughs> Even that it sounds, sounds really cool, weird. actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, he takes the, his hands off the wheels, and the car starts driving itself. Um, they drive by a cop on the side of the road. He'll, fi- he'll factor in soon. And Mike and the tall man talk. God damn you to hell. Not possible. I like that line. Uh, So he basically tells Mike that he's evolving and that he's preparing for passage. And uh, Mike is confident that his friends are going to find him. The tall man opens up this casket and this red light comes out and he crawls in and disappears. We see that Mike is 54 miles from Death Valley. And while it's still driving, I believe Mike crawls into the back and opens a casket and like red light flush like floods all over him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Reggie gets pulled over by that cop. Um, The cop gets his license and registration and kind of just disappears for a while. And Reggie ends up getting out of the car to see what the deal is because he's just sitting there and the car's empty. Mm -hmm.
1: Just just trivia for anybody who doesn't know this cop. Portrayed by stuntman Bob Ivey, mm-hmm. who did the giant hearse jump uh, in Phantasm 3 that we talked yeah. about last
0: time. Yeah, week. exactly. And then a, a jump coming up, too. This movie always has a good pipe, drip, pipe jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the car's empty. He hears a sound from the trunk. He opens it up, and there's a fucked up state trooper in the back. The makeup looks real bad on this guy's face. Um, he's all bent and broken up. And he's like asking Reggie, he's like, just kill me, man. Just kill me. Mm-hmm. Then Reggie backs up into the demon trooper is like his official name. It's Bob Ivy. Yeah. Um, Reggie runs. He's able to get in the car. And he's like, fuck you. And then he looks, ah, oh, damn it. There's no keys in the car. <laughs> he tries to get the shotgun. There's like a shotgun pointing straight up. That's locked in to the seat. Um, mm-hmm. And he tries to get it out but he can. He like, tries to get like a screwdriver to open it. The demon trooper gets on top of the the car and Reggie goes, blow me, cocks a shotgun, (laughs) shoots the trooper twice through the roof. The trooper pukes a mouthful of yellow blood right into (laughs) Reggie's mouth. It's thick like pudding. It really fills it right up to the brim. (laughs) Uh, Reggie gets out. The trooper's not dead. Reggie grabs a baton, throws him in the back seat and sticks the baton right into a shotgun wound and then locks him in the back of the car. And he's kind of just standing there, he's sitting there exhausted, leaning up against a car next to the gas tank. And he finds a road flare. He sparks it up, puts it into the tank, walks away and it blows. He jogs away, which even, even that
1: I questioned if it was fast enough. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like, putting a fucking lit flare cause he like jams it yeah into that baby's the gas going up tank. right away yeah I was like I don't know if I'd have the balls to do that uh, I definitely I really... <laughs> <laughs> even in a situation like that yeah
0: uh, the trooper gets out of the burning car he's on fire then he collapses <laughs> Reggie wow some cops can be real assholes <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I don't want to say that I'm in favor of Murdering police officers—that is not something that I support. Sure. However, uh, did I enjoy watching this scene in a Schadenfreude esque way? Sure. I did. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say—you uh, mentioned the the bad makeup on the guy in the trunk, which I totally agree with. But I think it's because they spent all the money on the demon trooper makeup, which, which I looks think pretty looks pretty good. good. And do you know who but did the makeup effects? I. Uh, it was some free help, right? From was this a K and B? It was K
0: and B, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it was free, free, but they definitely got like a sweetheart deal. Um, but the, overall, this sequence, by the time it was over, was one of the first things where I was like, "Man, this movie is better than I remember." Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I just I I was just checking it in the, in the last minute or so. This sequence with the trooper. Is six minutes long, uninterrupted of wow. this of this back and forth with uh Reggie and the trooper, but it moves well, it's not slow, it's not boring, it's very interesting, but it's like it's a real set piece that mm-hmm. I think is it is done really well, and it's the kind of thing that I feel like the last movie and probably phantasm 2 as well. We just wouldn't have taken the time with this yeah. is something that would have gone by in like ninety seconds, and then we would have been on to the next crazy. Yeah,
0: exactly. We didn't have time to to settle in right. or anything like this. Yeah, but in this movie, yeah. we kind and of have nothing but time. <laughs> definitely,
1: and the thing is, like, I do think, especially like four movies in, like, I think Don Coscarelli is a talented director. Mm-hmm. Like, he really is good, and I think that like the thing that makes him so interesting is also sometimes his Achilles heel which is like a more is more kind of approach to stuff where I think he has these ideas that he wants to execute. And, and this to me was like a perfect example of like how I was like, yeah, give me a six minute showdown with a demon trooper. This is like a cool scene that I will remember regardless of the plot of this movie. And that's not to say I don't care about plot. Like we talked about the last one, it gets so plot heavy Mm -hmm. and this, this one strikes a much better balance you know between the big action of the of two and then the super plottiness of three yeah absolutely
0: yeah and, and like it's just well done in mm-hmm. you just said like watching all of these movies coscarelli is a good director and this movie really cemented it for me that's like oh he does know how to work with actors kind of thing You know, not that i ever like yeah. really doubted him exactly because i like i think Bubba hotep's really good and i like john right. dies at the end but like kind of after the last one sort of sat, like put a sour taste in my mouth in some ways. Mm -hmm. I still like the movie, but you know what I mean? Same. Uh, so Mike is broken down in the desert. It looks great. Fucking great rock formations. (laughs) It looks awesome. I
1: feel like this whole sequence to me, and you tell me what you think as we go through it. This was like, this was like Don Coscarelli gets to rewrite history and make his star Wars. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally. Sure. Um, so Mike's kind of wandering through the rock formations, and we see some lurkers kind of scuttling around, scuttling around in the background. And even like he walks by, is a really cool shot. It's kind of s- creepy, actually, mm-hmm. where he walks by a graver and doesn't notice him. Uh, I really, who happens to look kind of like a Tuscan Raider. If yeah, he does me. look like a Tuscan Raider. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, and of course the lurkers look like Jawas. We all know that. Yep. And yep. like this scene, honestly, is like the setting is kind of reminiscent of uh, like the beginning of Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. on Tatooine. And I was like, oh yeah, I feel like this has to be on purpose. This graver looking like a Tuscan Raider in there. Yeah, maybe um, maybe I'm wrong, but
0: no, I mean, there's a lot. There's always been a lot of crossover with Star Wars and Phantasm. Just like the first movie, yeah, came out around the same time, and there's like some weird parallel thinking. So uh, back at the hearse, Mike looks at the coffin. He opens it up, and the tall man's suit is in there. Then he writes in his notebook the last will and testament of Michael Pearson. Reggie, I don't don't yet know why he's brought me here. Feels like I'm at ground zero of his experiment. There's one escape. I've got a plan. When the sun comes up, I'm going to force him out. See if I can't take him down with me. And then... We see there are lurkers behind him in the in the window, but they don't get him yet. Uh, no. So there's a dream sequence, get like that imperfect flesh line from part three where he's trapped to mm-hmm. the slab. Um, my wife is making faces at me. How dare she? I am going to really give her a piece <laughs> of my mind later. There's um, <laughs> the oh, mirror man. scene with the sentinel embedded in his head. And then we start mm-hmm. to hear battlefield noises. Um, and boom, we're at the Civil War. I think it's a Civil War. It's a Revolutionary War.
1: I think it's a Civil it's War. It's Civil War. Yeah. Because they use yeah. some Civil War reenactors to, oh, to get this. That's fun.
0: Yeah. It's black and white. Some men are propped up in coffins. We hear gunshots. And we track into this tent. And the tall man is there. And he's embalming a soldier who looks who is Mike, I mean, essentially is Mike. Uh, he puts the needle right up his nose, like, very far. It's a cool shot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they did yeah. this. I guess it's just a trick needle, really, but it looks great. Right. And then his eyes pop open. He's still alive. He struggles, and then Mike wakes up. It's morning. He looks out on the, the uh, floor of the, the dry lake bed, and tuning forks are right there, the tuning fork portals. So Mike White walks up to them. Meanwhile, Reggie's in a rest stop, which looks awesome. Like the 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 lighting, it looks fucking great. Um, yeah. yeah. He sees a babe at a payphone. This is Jennifer. He doesn't know it yet, but it's Jennifer. She looks like she might need some help, but Reggie shows some restraint. Yeah. Which was very welcome.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: Reggie, still horny in this movie, Definitely. but He's getting better. That time in the catacombs, I think, yeah. you know, made him reflect on maybe some of his past decisions. Yeah. He was about to be judged by St. Peter and he's going <laughs> to say, hey,
1: what did you do? Remember when you tried to uh, guilt trip Rocky into sex with? Yeah. You?
0: When you're like ice picking her behind while she was trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, in the desert, Mike tries to hang himself. Now, this is a scene that parallels what we'll actually we'll we'll see. It. We'll see it. But they don't really forget it. Um, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there. So he tries to hang himself. There's a box that is obviously very flimsy. I don't think it could support the weight of anybody.
1: <laughs> no, I've 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 worked with those boxes. And even this one's rickety and even like fresh off the shelf. Those things. Fifty pounds. I wouldn't go. past.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he gets on top, puts a noose around his neck. It's a really cool gnarled tree that they had to truck in from Los Angeles. Um, the box collapses, or he falls off the box. He starts to choke and he passes out. And in the distance, we see the tall man. It's cool. I love that shot. I always love a good, in the distance you see the bad guy shot. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the tall man's very like striking in his dark suit in the desert. It's great. Um. And the tall man, uh, we overhear voiceover. Where do you think you're going, boy? Death is no escape for me. They were flashback territory. Now, this is a scene that was described in great detail in Coscarelli's book. Yeah. Um, and basically, so Mike is young. He's running through the woods. And there's this giant tree. The tall man comes out of some bushes and chases him. And then suddenly we hear like an engine revving. And then uh, a noose gets thrown over his neck, over a branch around the tall man's neck. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, J- it's Jody and the Kuda. Um, and they drive off. The tall man's hung. And they leave him there hanging. He's super hung. Super hung. Um, so initially, this was supposed to be in Phantasm 1. And what happened mm-hmm. was the tall man being hung from the tree, he doesn't die, but he keeps the sun from rising. Interesting. And so, like, the sun won't come up. And that's why Mike eventually cuts him down. But in this, he's laying in bed and he hears the tall man, like, whispering in his head, like, Boy, cut me down. So Mike goes back to the tree and the tall man's still there. Cut me down, boy. And he's like, No, you're killing the world. And he's like, I'll go away and won't ever come back. And he's like, All right, that's enough for Mike. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't trust the tall man personally. Mike gives in a little easily if he asks. Little me. easy. And then instead of just like cutting the rope from ground level, he climbs all mm. the way up the tree, <laughs> which is <laughs> seems dangerous. Yeah, he's a kid. Kids love to climb trees. Uh so he cuts him down. Meanwhile, in in you know, uh current day, Mike his rope snaps and he's not dead. The tall man stands over him. I've been waiting for you for a very long time. No, you may not take your own life. That is my domain exclusively. And the tall man reaches out a hand to him. We have things to do. And Mike almost takes his hand, but he doesn't. Yeah.
1: Um before we move on, I just apropos of, of something you mentioned, I wanted to pick your brain. Mm-hmm. You mentioned back in present day. One of the things that we didn't talk about at the top, but you would know just from looking at the title of this episode. So this movie was released in 1998. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, if you, if I just showed you a couple scenes from this movie, you know, in a vacuum, what, what, what where do you think you would place it in time?
0: Um, I mean, it- I would even say like the mid 2000s, 2010s, maybe even. Like it doesn't look that dated at all. Well, the funny
1: thing is, like, I, I don't think it looks dated, but I was like, this looks like the 80s to me. Oh, like does the it? late yeah. 80s. Like, but like, not in terms of like poor quality. Like to me, and I think this is a personal bias, but I think like 1990 to like really 97 or so, there's just like, there's a datedness to everything, there's a look. Yeah. Uh and I think the only thing I noticed in this whole movie that like threw me in terms of like putting it too firmly in a time and place was uh Jennifer has like a plaid shirt tied around her waist.
0: Oh, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fashion, like... the clothes don't look out of place. Well you said the eighties, yeah. I could even see it like I could do see it modern day. I don't think that anybody mm-hmm. would Question. Yeah, it's
1: just a movie, it's a movie out of time, I think, it's, it yeah. is
0: what it feels like, and it kind of allows you to put it
1: where you want to, and for me, I, I'm i thinking of it as like a sequel to Phantasm, but it's, I, you know, I kind of skip right over the fact that it has been, tw- at this point, when this movie comes out, it has been almost 20
0: years since the first one. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um it's crazy. And it's so cool seeing the old stuff compared to the new stuff and just like it's I don't know it's so fascinating. It's, it's like what made that movie boyhood so fascinating. Right. It's like seeing people grow up in the span of an hour or and a half. It's like really cool. Yeah. Really really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh so a tuning fork portal reappears and Mike steps through it. And then we see some old-timey medical equipment. Um And Mike's out, we see like this, an old Victorian house. And I couldn't tell if it was the same house as the first movie or just meant to look similar. I think it's meant to look similar. This is a smaller, this is a smaller, smaller house. Yeah. So Mike's walking around on the front porch and he comes around a corner and the tall man is sitting in a rocking chair. Only he's not the tall man right now. He's like, can I assist you? He's friendly. Yeah. And he kind of has a weird, like almost Southern accent. <laughs> Let me offer you some lemonade. <laughs> um, And then he looks at Mike and suddenly his face falls. He's like, did you make passage through the dimensional fork? So he has like that weird, this, this weird, you know, basically primitive tuning fork portal in his office. Mm-hmm. Uh, he introduces himself as Jebediah Morningside. And, also, there with him is that fortune teller lady sitting in a rocking chair. Uh, Mike freaks and he starts to run. He's like, oh, no, please don't leave. There's so much you need to tell us. Things we desperately need to know. The mic runs through the dimensional fork. Oh, but it doesn't work. It's off. So he has to like kind of hand right. crank it and get it started. <laughs> going again. And I was like, oh, Jebediah should be in there by now. <laughs> like He's just like, oh, he ran. I guess that's it. Yeah. My lemonade. He's, he's an old man. He's an old man. So Mike's back in the desert. Now there are a bunch of tuning fork portals everywhere. Uh, Meanwhile, Reggie's in the Cuda and he's driving right behind that woman at the rest stop. Jennifer, he drives alongside of her risky move. They make eye contact and smile at each other. Suddenly there's a turtle in the road. She swerves, hits a rock and in prime phantasm fashion, flips her car over dramatically it's great great flip and i we
1: learned this growing up in wisconsin i'm sure you probably had this up in the northeast too but if you know if a deer or a tortoise yeah or really anything save like a small child probably and even then you know you get a little bit of a trolley problem on your hands but gets into the road just fucking run it over just just keep going
0: yeah that's that's exactly right yeah that is the safest thing Uh, to do it's sad. There was a, a summer I worked at a candy store in a Gunkwit, Maine, and the mm. uh, the I had like a forty minute drive back and forth to my house through back Oof. roads to avoid the summer traffic. Yeah, traffic was so bad, um, and the road was just lousy with suicidal chipmunks. <laughs> that would I no joke ran over at least five chipmunks a day. Wow. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> and like you feel bad at first, but then there's nothing there's nothing you can do. You're on a windy road and they yeah. just I don't know, maybe they get off on the thrill <laughs> of surviving because yeah. they didn't all die. But yeah, yeah. Man, it was just yeah. like fucking crazy. It was like crash
2: <laughs> <But> for <laughs> chipmunks.
1: That's pretty
0: funny. Uh so the car's on fire. Reggie has to help her out before it blows. She's like, wait, I thought cars only blow up like that in the movies. It blows up and Ray's just like, yeah, me too. Which is funny. Nice little in joke <laughs> for Phantasm. Yeah. Uh, Mike's having visions of the of the sentinel coming out of his head and a, a scorpion. He's like in the he's in like in the rock formations. A scorpion crawls up to him and he psychically crushes it with a rock. And then there's a lurker pops up and he crushes that lurker with a giant boulder with his mind. And again, more Star Wars stuff. He's mm-hmm. using the force. Yeah, he is using the force. You're right. And he looks a little bit like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, he looks like, he looks like Luke in, um, uh, is it in Jedi where he wears black? Yes, it yeah, is. because he's wearing all he turns, black in this. He, he turns into a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the hearse, he opens up the hood and starts working on it. And a Sentinel flies up to him. Hey, brother. <laughs> I was wondering when he'd show up. Jody. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jody wants him to leave with him, but Mike has other plans. What are you anyway? I thought you died in that car wreck. No, that was a lie. And then Mike flashes back to the funeral with his mom and dad. Um, And we, we see them in a the car as a kid. Then looking at the cemetery at, at the cemetery, at Jody's grave. Um. And Mike says, Reggie, I can count on. He's always been there for me, but you, I, I can't trust. I don't know if he says that in his mind or if he says that out loud. Mm-hmm. But I didn't write it down. Yeah, I don't remember. So Jennifer's picking her shit up off the road. It's all fucked up. And She <laughs> finally introduces herself to Reggie. Reggie's going to give her a lift into the next town. Meanwhile, Mike finds a dagger in the hearse. Uh, which is like the tall man's dagger. I don't know if that's been established before in other movies, but I mean, I know it's fame
1: famously, I say uh, notably the same prop from the first movie. Oh, cool. It's It's the literal dagger from the first movie. I think it's the one he kills Reggie with at the end of the movie. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm hmm. Yeah. Man, these moves are so fucking confusing. Because he's like, right. no, he doesn't but, kill so, Reggie. <laughs> so, yeah, clearly he doesn't actually kill Reggie. Um,
1: so that's that's one thing we should remember.
0: Um. So uh, he gets the dagger. Jody tells him he went through a lot of trouble to get back here. I didn't abandon. I didn't abandon you, Mike. I was taken. I didn't abandon you, Mike. I was taken. Uh flashback. We see Jody pull up into the house, the original house, and his Cuda opens up a window to get some fresh air in his bedroom. He has a mirrored closet door and he closes it. We see the tall man's there with that same dagger. Mm -hmm. Then in the desert, Mike turns around, Jody's gone and there's a really loud humming sound. And he looks in the desert's filled with even more tuning fork portals. He continues to repair the engine and it should be noted. There's like a part of the engine that has like spherical on top that comes into play later yeah yeah, yeah. uh Re- reggie and jennifer pull up to an abandoned motel <laughs> And then reggie's funny he's like well this looks affordable <laughs> pretty good line <laughs> it's good but then he like this
1: is he does a whole fucking he puts on like a little bit of a show in this scene and i'm like
0: oh yeah yeah he's like oh look room service and he's like holds yeah. up some Pizza that still looks good somehow. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like that pizza would freak me out because I'm, I'm like, people have been here in yeah, the last day. Like, they're like, coming, still they're probably coming back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Me too. Um so he basically he convinces her to stay in the hotel with him even though it's abandoned. He breaks in, it's a total shithole. And she's like, this place reminds me of a club i used to dance in, which I didn't understand. Is that is she is she like a, a stripper or it's just like a club that she hung out I think in.
1: She's some sort of dancer, uh, you know. No. Maybe she was, maybe she was like a cage dancer at a, you know, like a nightclub. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, I think the the,
0: the clearest the, the easiest a to a to b is that yeah she was an exotic dancer. Um. Meanwhile, Mike's camping out, and that ball in the engine rises. It's a sentinel. Mm. I didn't really pick up on this but it's a Sentinel built by Mike. I
1: think that at the time I was not, it was not making sense to me. And then by the, like, like later on, I was like, Oh yeah.
0: Okay. okay, Yeah.
1: I guess so. Yeah. But they don't, this doesn't get communicated super well. And I would say this is the first of
0: a handful of things that started to confuse me about the movie. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's getting changed in the shower, like behind a translucent curtain. Reggie's lighting candles which luckily lights up the entire room as if they have the lighting equipment (laughs) he tells her about the tall man and the tall man's uh the lurkers and she's so shocked by the news that she emerges from behind the curtain holding her tits (laughs) like like, what (laughs) clutching them so we don't get to see anything yeah no we don't see anything um He's got his hair down, too, which is very funny. Uh, I was—I don't know why. I just, if you're going to go bald, I think just go bald. I don't know if I like that, <laughs> that look. I don't know. I think he looks sexy and virile in this. That's why I'm not bald shaming anybody. Okay. Um, so. Sorry, I got a disturbing text message. Oh no! Do you want to share? Uh, yeah, no, I can't. I couldn't. Couldn't possibly. Oh, okay. couldn't possibly. Uh, it, Reggie's like, I think he wants nothing more than to populate our world with the undead. No way! And she's still like just standing there talking to him, clutching her boobs. Um, Reggie doesn't believe her I'm sorry, Jennifer doesn't believe Reggie. Mm-hmm. Then she's like, Hey, give me one of your shirts to wear. So he gives her this flannel.
1: Now. I don't know about you, but that seems like that's a real strong signal. I think so. You
0: know? I think all of this is a pretty strong signal.
1: But I mean, to me, when someone else is wearing your shirt, i like, my interpretation of that is like, oh, they're rom- they're romantically interested in me.
0: Maybe. I mean, all of her clothes got destroyed in the crash, though. So <sighs> I guess I'll you're probably I'll, right about that. Um, they get I, on I mean, I'm bed. not
1: assuming anything. I just want to be clear about. Oh
0: sure, I mean you know I just you know I never I'm never really sure of what your intentions are. So you say that
1: I might ask a question like, "Hey, (laughs) is this a thing?" That's my move. Well, it worked. It worked okay a couple times.
0: (laughs) Reggie's thing is he starts stroking her arm on the bed, just like he did Mm -hmm. with Rocky in the motel room. I like you, Reg. That was a great story. but I make it a policy never to get involved with somebody who has more problems than I do. So Reggie goes to bed. It's dark. It gets dark. And then all of a sudden we realize, Oh no, they're not in a hotel room. He's in a cemetery now. Mm-hmm. And he's walking through these tall grass and then he gets grabbed by somebody. It's Mike, but he's made up like the tall man wearing the tall man's suit. Yeah. A little, yeah. Mortician's outfit. It's real creepy. Mm-hmm. He wakes up with a start next to Jennifer, who's just sleeping next to him in, his under- in her underwear in like the open flannel shirt. And then her chest starts moving and making this weird squishy sound. And Reggie is pumped. He's like, far out. And he opens up the shirt, and we got Sentinel tits, baby. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I mean, it's a fun. It's fun for sure. Uh, it's a great bit. But I mean, am I a creep for just being like, hey, could we have just seen what they look like before they turn into sentinels? Yeah, first? I
0: would never say anything like that That's on fine. a podcast. Right. Um, you gotta edit this out. <laughs> she wakes up and she's like, you want to get it on, Reggie? And the sentinels f- pop out of her chest and start flying around the room. He does some maneuvering and makes them bounce off of each other and then grabs a sledgehammer and smashes one of them. The other tries to uh, you know, stick into his head with its stickers, and he gets his hand up in time, only it goes right into his hand, and the drill goes through his hand, mm-hmm. like pops the skin. Then, uh, oh, he grabs a tuning fork that previously he had put on the, the nightstand and he grabs it, strikes it. The Sentinel explodes. Uh then Jennifer grabs his legs like we're not done yet. And he smashed her with a sledgehammer off camera. We don't see it. Sorry, Jennifer. We hardly knew you we hardly knew you. I don't know. I mean, I guess she's just like became one of the demons that is controlled by the tall man, which was established in the other one. Yeah, she- it is a bummer. It was nice to have her around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have a female uh, breaking up the old dude fest. The old sausage fest. <laughs> uh, Mike writes in his journal. And uh, another time he believed. Oh. What? Uh, I don't know. Um, so oh, Mike just basically is like, I know the tall man can't be killed. But can I stop him from ever existing? He's looking at a portal. He's going to step through, but the tall man appears behind him. You go where I want you to go, boy. Then suddenly, they're in the middle of Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles here. And it's completely deserted, except for one shot. You can see a car. Uh, Mike's there. He's looking around. The tall man starts stomping mm-hmm. down the street towards him. And he runs. Um. Th- so do you know the story behind this This yeah yeah, and it's a I mean it, it it's a fun shot,
1: and it is they got it exactly the way that you would guess, I think that a a very low budget production would, which is they they sure as shit didn't have permits to shut down Wilshire Boulevard and shoot, so they just found a no. really, really
0: quiet time, and they snuck out there and did it gorilla style.: Yeah, it was like Thanksgiving morning, and yeah, Coscarelli had like scouted it before I was like, oh, there's not a lot of traffic out here. Right. right after sunrise. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so Mike runs. Jody pops out of a doorway and uh, grabs Mike. He's like, "What is this place?" And Jody's like, "You mean when? We can't stay here. There's risk of infection." <laughs> so that's like setting up, planting some seeds, I guess, for the for Ravager, or maybe even like the Avery script. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder. Yeah, I,
1: I'm I'm curious, and this is something I intend to look up, but, you know, Ravager having been made by not Coscarelli for the first and only time in the series, I do have to wonder if the director of that movie got his hands on the Avery script and just said, like, hey, let's use some of these ideas. Yeah, maybe. Um, or perhaps he just said to himself, like, I want to follow this thread that Coscarelli establishes here in this movie, because this is left pretty open-ended. Yeah. But... But like this scene definitely ties into the direction, or at least part of the direction that Ravager goes in.
0: And that's what's so cool about all of these movies is that they plant seeds. They have these open ended things that mm-hmm. aren't explained, and then kind of in the next movie, they sort of sometimes they go back and start to explain it. And it's like it just kind of yeah, it's cool. It's it's something I heard uh, Vince Gilligan say about Breaking yeah. Bad. And it was like, while they're writing that, they would always, instead of just inventing new stuff, they would think back to what's already been established and see if they could expand on it anymore. You know, it's like, hmm. oh, we met this guy in one episode and he did this. Sure. thing. Is there any way we can bring that back? You know what I mean? Instead of just like completely yeah. creating a new thing.
1: Yeah. It's almost like retconning your own show, but yeah. not, but not rewriting anything so much as like you, it's brilliant because it makes it seem like you you have this insanely detailed plan all along, exactly. but in reality, it's just a strategic way of like using new
0: material but tying it into what was already there. Yeah, and like it's broadening great. out your own mythology, which is, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so back in the desert, Reggie pulls up to the funeral mountains, climbs to the top of some rocks, and pulls out some binoculars. We got some more binoculars. <laughs> I'm sure you're excited. Bring back binoculars. I was twenty. Bring back binoculars in 2021. Um, he pulls out the binoculars. He sees the hearse. So then it's time to load up, baby. He gears up. He loads his quad shotgun. He gets a switchblade. Puts on his ice cream vendor's uniform for the first time since the first movie. I was a little, I wasn't moved, but I was like, that's cool. That's a nice, nice Yeah. Touch. And this, the score swells a little bit. It, goes, and it's just it like, I think it goes back to, oh no, maybe that's later. There's a point where it goes back to the old score. Yeah. Uh, which is, and it
1: immediately feels better. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because... Until it's like oh, this rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, the sun sets. Reggie approaches the hearse. Meanwhile, Mike portals to the beach. Jody's there looking out at the surf. We hear a weird sound. And then Reggie hears it on his side too. He lifts the hood of the hearse, and the engine sentinel is is like kind of moving around a little bit. And he hears a noise in the back of the hearse. He opens it up and look out, Reg. There's a Lurker right behind you. But Reggie smells him before he sees him, which I thought was a fun touch. <laughs> like starts sniffing yeah. the air. Mm hmm. And not to let the lurker know that he's aware of him. He just kind of like puts the quad gun over his shoulder nonchalantly and pulls the trigger and blows it away. It's fun. It's Uh, a
1: fun little move. Yeah,
0: it's fun. Some more rush at him. He shoots those back, back to Mike and Jody. They hear the gunshots through the portal and Mike knows it's Reggie. Then Reggie shoots a lurker in the driver's seat of the hearse. One jumps on his back. He stabs it with a switchblade yellow blood splurting from his neck. Another jumps on him. Reggie shoots him in the head with his handgun. He's like, I'm getting really good at killing you motherfuckers. (laughs) Mike and Jody step through the portal. Mike and Reggie hug. And Mike's like, don't trust him, Reggie. Stay here. There's something I have to do. And Reggie shakes his hand. And as he does, he palms the tuning fork and gives it to Mike. I need to go back to the beginning, back where it all started. And Jody's like, all right, let's go. And they step through the portal. Flashback. Um, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a flashback. Jebediah is at his desk. And we hear some voiceover. This is the night, Mike. The night where it all started. Oh, so it's Jody who was saying that. Sorry, I did a bad job of keeping that note. And basically Jeb's sitting at his desk. He's questioning the nature of death. And he comes to the conclusion that the answers are before him. They're Before me this whole time, he holds these two posts like the tuning pork, uh, <laughs> tuning, pork. tuning fork portals. <laughs> it's getting close to dinner. We're getting hungry. <laughs> um, it became his life's, his life's work, his passion to learn the craft, to find the rift to make his way through the passage. This is the hour. The time has come. Jebediah puts his jacket on. Mike and Jody are watching and can't see them. But Mike starts looking through his notes and he finds a photo, the same photo from the antique store in part one, that moving photo. Yeah. Jebediah turns the crank of his device, pulls out his dagger and steps through the portal. Mike tries to hit him as he does, but he can't affect him. He goes right through him. And Jody's like, I yeah, can't do it. We're not in the same universe. Uh, and then he's, Mike's like, when's he coming back? And Jody, Jebediah Morningside never comes back. And then the tall man steps back through with two sentinels or a sentinel on his shoulder.
1: You can tell he's evil now. He's, he looks evil.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not the kindly Jebediah. <laughs> He sees Mike. Mike pulls his dagger on him and then backs through the portal and disappears and the tall man says and so it begins. Jody and Mike are in the cemetery. Uh, Mike's like, I knew you'd find me here. What's happening, brother? Jody grabs him by the throat and pulls out a sphere like as a weapon and a saw blade comes out of the circumference of it starts spinning around. Mike grabs his dagger uh the tall man's dagger really and slices jody's hands with it and yellow blood comes out and mike's like eh, just had to be sure because he's been suspecting that he's been a, a, an instrument of the tall man this whole time he stabs mm. jody uh he's like i had to be sure before i killed my own brother or it's left of him the tall man steps out from behind a tree and grabs mike and they tumble through a portal then we're back to Mike's laying on the slab in a, in a mortuary. Jody's there. He's holding him down in the mausoleum. The tall man saws open Mike's head with that saw sphere. Yellow blood starts shooting out. Mm-hmm. And Mike pulls out the tuning fork and hits it. And Jody and the tall man freeze. And then Mike forces the tall man's hand, holding the saw sphere, into Jody's neck, slicing his throat. And Jody says, I died. I died in the car wreck. So Mike threatens the tall man with the, with the tuning fork. Um, but the tall man psychically grabs it out of his hand. So Mike runs. Meanwhile, Reggie's loading up his quad gun. Mike steps through the portal. The tall man, he's like, t- he's coming. He's going to rip my skull open. Um, he's like, I got the to stashed a mile away. Once we get to that, nothing's going to stop us. The tall man steps through the portal. He comes at Reggie. Reggie tries to shoot him, but click. His gun's empty, even though he just loaded it. Uh, The tall man grabs Reggie by the throat. Ice cream, man. It's all in his head. He throws Reggie. It's time now, boy. Mike says, yes, it is. And then psychically calls up the engine sentinel, the one that he made. And it has like three spikes on the end. It flies into the back of the tall man's head. And the tall man pulls it out. And he's like, a toy. Mike's eyes turn gold. And the engine of the hearse starts glowing. And the tall man kind of like goes over to look at it. And it blows up. Mike gets flung backwards. There's crazy noises coming from the fire. Another tall man steps through the portal. And he stomps up to Mike and rips the sentinel out of his head. Oh, rips the sentinel out of Mike's head. Like the mm-hmm. one that's embedded in his head. Right. Then he walks to the portal, looks back, and walks through. So Reggie runs up to Mike. And Mike's like, I'm dying, Reg. And Reggie's like, no, don't let go. I'm coming right back for you. Reggie grabs his quad gun, and goes through the portal. Then we zoom in on Mike's eye, and then we're in flashback land. Young Mike is walking down the street of his hometown. We get the old score from the originals Phantasm. Sounds great. Yeah. And uh, we hear a voiceover from Reggie. He's like, Mike, Mike, you're still alive. Reggie's ice cream truck pulls up to him. Reggie's like, howdy, partner. And Mike's VO is like, I'm dying, Reg. And then young Reggie kind of looks around like he hears it. It's cool. It's really timed perfectly. Because, you know, yeah. obviously they didn't shoot it that way. Uh, right. He looks around like he hears it. And he's like, hey, did you hear something? And Mike smiles to himself. He's like, it's just the wind. It's just the wind. And the truck drives into the darkness. I think that's a beautiful ending. It's like really, really emotionally satisfying. Yeah.
1: Okay. Before we move on. So, give us the just for dummy for like for dummies version so what was
0: the deal with jody was he evil the whole time <laughs> uh no i mean no you mean from when did it, he be part when one? did the change happened the change like, happened what? um so i guess like the events of part one may may or may not have happened Right. So Jody, but even outside of that, like Joe well, let's let's just leave that for for next time. Jody's been evil but since part three. Since he reappeared in the series. Yes. He's always been evil. Yes. Yes. He's been the toy of the pawn of the tall man. And he's okay. been leading Mike and Reggie to this eventful like this okay. end ending. Okay. And then what was the tall man's
1: plan? With regards to Mike, the whole like, what was the
0: purpose of all of this? To best as we can tell, to make Mike the new tall man, okay, got it. All right, and that, and
1: what do we know explicitly what the sentinel that was in his head was doing, or like, and why he's taking it back now, or no. I don't know. No. Okay. Not clear. Okay. These, these are just the things that I didn't understand.
0: So I'm 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 trying to grasp as best as I can. Oh no, they're they're all fair questions. Uh, that last one I don't think. Okay. Maybe ever gets answered. Um. All right. So a very low body count in this movie get mm-hmm. the demon yeah. trooper, the real life trooper in the trunk, Jennifer, and the Jody clone who dies kind of two ways. Um. And I guess a handful of lurkers. What would you say, Mike, is your favorite death in the movie? Um, It's kind
1: of cheating because the death isn't really the part that I like the most. But I'm just going to go with the demon trooper. Yeah. Because I think it's a good explosion. So that's very satisfying. He does die as a result of his burns in that. But that whole sequence... Especially like pre-death, the demon trooper getting shot in the stomach and then like spitting all of the pudding
0: blood into Reggie's
1: mouth. Is uh-huh, great. That's so, great. So that's uh, my pick.
0: I'm gonna go with Jennifer. Uh, I know the okay. the sentinel boobs aren't really part of her death exactly, but it's, sure. it precedes uh, it. It's a surprise. It's pretty shocking. Um, it's pretty good effects work too. Pretty good effects work. Yeah, I mean her, her actual death is pretty lame because it happens off camera, but. i'm kind of including that whole scene Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right uh so this movie is from 1998 Uh, i'll just come out and say i don't think there's a lot in here that didn't age well i really 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 Mm -hmm. am hard pressed to find something maybe that opening cg but like really like i don't know that's being very i think it's i think it's It's fine considering considering how nothing from that era looked very good so no, I think
1: I, yeah. And I mean, like we said, it's a low bar to clear, but Reggie definitely improves on his issues from last time being ah. a total creep. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he goes for it. He, he definitely does some touching without permission, but when corrected, he does flip over and grumpily go to bed, which <laughs> is the least we could possibly ask of a man. Um So I think that's just an improvement. Yeah. Like I, the one thing I mentioned was Jennifer's, Jennifer's look when she first appears is very it's very mid 90s and sure. that jumped out to me a little bit but there's nothing wrong with that I don't think it's aged poorly I think it's aged like
0: a fine wine Now would you say this is a scary movie I know I know um, that car scene freaked you out <laughs> Uh on balance It's not a super
1: scary movie. I think it's an improvement over the last one, though, because, again, we get some more of the dreamlike stuff, which can be eerie or uh, uncomfortable in almost a different way than just, like, straight scares.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, and I I do think it is scarier than the last. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I think I'm probably, I don't remember what gave the last one, a 4.5, I think. I'm going to go right in the middle and say a 5.
1: I'm okay with that. I think five feels about it, right. Huh?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like a
1: child watching this movie would probably come away being like, "Ah, you yeah. <laughs> which I got to pretend to be a child, um, which is hard for me because I'm so mature.
0: <laughs> and then finally, Mary fuck kill. You want to kick this one off? Sure. Um,
1: uh, I am going... I mean, you've really established a precedent of just going back and changing your votes willy-nilly. Uh, usually, <laughs> I, I I I feel like a lot of pressure to be like, man, this is a hard decision to make. But now that I know that I can just check in with the audience whenever and tell them that I've revised my score, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a fuck, but it's a pretty enthusiastic fuck. Okay. Um, I think that... A, You know, it's yeah, there are parts of this movie that I want to marry. And I think specifically like the demon trooper, uh, the stuff with Reggie and Jennifer, uh, uh, like individual shots in the desert. But I do think that the whole the whole thing is a little too confusing and like kind of. I think it sticks the landing landing, but I think most of the last act is, is kind of messy. Um, so I'm, I'm giving it a fuck, but with the possibility of coming back and upgrading that, especially if, if after revisiting this ending, which is something that I do want to do in the next couple of days, and then also watching Ravager, if that lends anything else to it, sure, maybe I'll feel more bullish about it. But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hearty fuck, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's exactly what Reggie has been looking for for the last couple, uh, movies in this, in this series. <laughs> but, but I think it's, it's, it's shot well. It's really impressive for the budget that they had. Uh, there's some great set pieces. The performances are 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 pretty solid all the way through. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a very satisfying. It was a very satisfying watch for me.
0: Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I I was surprised by how much I I liked it this go around. Um I think it's even if it doesn't always make logical sense, I think it's mm-hmm. pretty emotionally satisfying. Um and I I really like the stripped back nature of it and mm-hmm. kind of the uh the um what's the word I'm looking for? The restraint shown in a lot of ways, sure. especially coming after part 3, which was Going in a lot of different directions at the same time, yeah. Um, it's not a perfect movie. You know, I I would never ever level that against it, um, <laughs> or for it. Uh, but I think in the end, at the end of the day, this is gonna go in the merry pile for me. I really like this. All one. right.
1: Yeah. Well. Cool. Uh. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll join you one day. Uh. But yeah, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. And yeah, I mean, for sure, it gets a recommendation from me. Like. I mean, that is what a fuck is, but uh, sure. Anyways, very cool. Well, we are uh, going to take a long break. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to shut down for a few days here. It'll only be a few seconds to you guys at home, and then uh,
0: and then we've got something real fun planned when we come back from our break. All right, we are back. This is our uh, final segment. It's a very special one here. I have not one, but two special guests joining me here live in studio for the first time ever, Mike Price. Hello, Eric. It's good to finally see you in person. It's
1: nice to meet you.
0: Nice Uh, to meet you too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. Turns out, I don't know what all the fuss is about. You seem like a normal looking guy.
0: (laughs) Also here, you might might hear some noise, is my almost six-year-old son, Elliot. Elliot, how are you? Good. Good. Anything you want to say to the listeners before uh, before we move on? Okay. Fair enough. Doesn't know. Yeah. So Mike uh, actually stayed at my house a few nights ago. We had ourselves a real twister. We we lit it up. We're like Bill Paxton <laughs> and Helen Hunt out there. <laughs> we didn't go to bed. It's like two in the morning. We got nighttime tacos and and wings. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. So I have prepared here a final segment that I am going to quiz you on, Mike. Okay. Um in the theme of our show on phantasm, I'm tentatively calling it Boys Life. <laughs> and what this is, uh I showed my son uh-huh. a series of uh posters, movie posters. Horror movie posters, all okay. horror movies, not necessarily franchises, mm-hmm. but just famous horror movies. Okay. And I had him describe what the poster looked like <laughs> and what he thought the the movie might be about. This is great. Okay. Okay. So this is these these are his words verbatim. Okay. Uh, don't give him. Ooh,
1: no spoilers. No Elliot. spoilers, Elliot. Okay. So I'm gonna try to guess what you're talking about.
0: All right. First one up. Uh, he's sticking his head through some wooden bars. With a scared look.
2: He's uh, sticking his
0: head through some wooden bars with a scared look. Elliot, are you describing The Shining? Yes. Yeah. That is correct. All it's right. The Shining. Very good.
1: High five. Here. Come here. Give me one. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: Next one up. Uh, basically.
1: I was going to say, you should have him one, read one of them, too.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, do, We'll do, uh, do the last one. Uh, basically a white someone with red eyes Uh there's some bug on their face the wings look like they're made of molten lava Uh, i'll read it again basically a white someone with red eyes there's some bug on their face its wings look like it's made from molten lava
2: wow What is it? That is a
1: good question. I mean, it's not I <laughs> I'm sure bug stuff mimic doesn't look like that. Mm-mm. Pretty sure it's not the Mothman prophecy. No.
0: <laughs> no. Um Do you want any hints?
1: Not give me give me one more second. Sure. Um What's the I'm just trying to remember the Argento one with uh, Jennifer Connolly. I don't think it's that either. Uh, okay, I'll take a hint.
0: I guess. Um, don't focus too much on the bug on the face, <laughs> but the bug on the face of the of the poster uh-huh. is iconic, although it has not much to do with the plot of the movie. I would say. Okay. Or anything at all. <laughs> oh, I guess it, maybe it does. Yeah, it does. So In it's not a major plot okay. point. It's not a major factor in it's the movie, it. but it, it is... But
1: also, sort of disregard the hint. So, yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, no.
0: no. It's not about a killer bug.
1: <laughs> Got it. Okay, okay.
0: White face. It's
1: so uh, white someone. Maybe the bug is, is on ice. the mouth. I mean, it is. Is it the silence of the lambs? There you are. Okay. All right. Uh,
0: Kenda said... Might be here a little bit after six, but she'll do her best. she just laid down.
1: Oh, good. That's That works out well. Okay, <laughs> next.
0: Okay, sorry. Uh, okay, next one. A man with some hat of some sort. Flower, like flowers. Looks like it's made of leaves. Who knows what he's looking at? What type of tears are those? It looks sad. So a man. This is, reminder, this is Elliot looking at the picture. Yeah. A man with some hat of some sort that looks like it's made of flowers or some leaves Mm -hmm. who knows what he's looking at those what type of tears are those it looks sad
1: elliot do you know what jesus looks like do you know if i said hey what does jesus look like would you know what i would say no
2: but i can picture what god looks like
1: okay well while i stall tell us what god looks like i don't know what can uh, uh,
0: back here, come game. come closer. Come yeah. closer. Yeah, come what, what do you think God looks like in your in your brain when you picture God?
1: It's like, can you get back to the guessing? Okay, okay. we'll get okay. back to the guessing. I'm back sorry. To the guessing. He's good at keeping us on topic. Maybe he should
0: always be <laughs> he's better than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um oh, uh, is oh. it um
0: I would say for a hint, yeah. It's not a man. <laughs> <laughs> There is a there is okay. a hat of flowers. Okay, uh, so it's midsummer. You are correct.
1: Midsummer. Right.
0: Midsummer. <laughs> All right. Next one. This picture looks like action. There's some face in the sky. Why is there a face in the sky? The dude looks like he has a chainsaw. There's fire behind him. There's something red on his face. I see some red and some purple and uh, yeah. <laughs> The red and the purple, I think, are the biggest hints. Okay. And the chainsaw, and uh, there's something red on his face. So just picture oh, it.
1: I it's like blood or something. Yeah,
0: it's, it's blood. It's blood. <laughs> Very red and pink and purple movie.
2: Is it. <sighs>
0: this might be a harder one.
1: Red and pink and purple. Is it Mandy?
0: You are correct. All right. <laughs> All right, Ellie, You want to read the last one? You have to come over here. Yeah, come read this one for me. All right. I want to sit, hear it in your one. words. Okay, yeah, this one here. So I know it's about horror. It's basically a zombie with a chainsaw.
1: Little loud. Can wait. you read it a little louder for me, Elliot? Can you? Yeah.
0: Um, so I know it's about horror there's basically a zombie with a chainsaw and a mask Okay. he's in the forest he's a villain can you read it one more time so I know it's about horror Mm -hmm. there's basically a zombie with a chainsaw with a mask he's in the forest he's a villain
1: well I feel like that could be a lot of things Uh, I'm gonna go with Texas Chainsaw Mask.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. The movie that Elliot was describing uh, was Friday the 13th. <laughs> and <laughs> What did he go with? I Te- said Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Well, I think you got 4 out of 5. That okay. is a very good showing. Thank you. Well, I got uh, some
1: hints, but
0: uh, Yeah, you got some hints, it was but a It's, it's okay. Elliot's the one who got me there. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll, we'll do more of this in the future. Okay. Uh, Elliot likes guessing and he likes uh, he's actually pretty interested in horror. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: sure that'll be fine. It'll go well.
0: Um. So, Mike, anything else you want to plug here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, um, check out my. Let me know if you know about any good listings on houses in Los Angeles. Uh. Before they go on to the realtor MLS. Uh. And. Uh. Yeah. Listen to my
0: podcast, Killstreak Pod. Oh, that reminds me. I was on a uh, friend of the show, John Richardson's podcast. It's called "Ruined Childhoods uh, or "Ruined Childhood. Childhoods or Hoods. Either way, you'll find it. Um, I'm on there talking about the movie Tango and Cash, which is uh, one that I'm very fond of. (laughs) Has some fond memories of. Uh, You trying to get out there, bud? All right, let me open the door for my son. In the meantime, uh, as we always say, feel free to...
1: Email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. You can uh, message us through our Instagram, killstreakpod, or DM us on Twitter, killstreakpod. Follow there for announcements about future movies and fun stuff. And you can hear what Eric and I are watching and all of that good business. And then, which episode is this?
0: This is uh, episode 63, um, Phantasm Phantasm Oblivion. Oblivion. And then,
1: yeah, next week we have...
0: Yeah, we'll have uh, Phantasm Ravager. Yeah. Which is also, I assume, playing on Amazon and Tubi. I think so. So it is uh, available. I hope you uh, enjoy watching these movies as much as we do. And then, you know, obviously we'll be doing our ranking and announcing our next episode Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, our next series Thursday of next week.
1: That sounds great. Sadly, we'll be in different states again. but We will. Maybe not forever.
0: Uh And, as always, I don't have a quote pulled. (laughs) I don't even have the document open. Oh, yeah, baby.